0: Hey everyone, I'm Jorge Olivares and welcome to another Hey Jorge conversation. This time I'm talking to the hosts of the Four Colored Nerds podcast. Now, you'll recognize these voices for a variety of reasons. One, you've already heard me talk to these folks, Brittany Luce and <laughs> Eric Eddings, the host of this podcast. But also, something that I did this time last year for Black History Month, um, a project that was very special to me when I was still at SiriusXM Progress, which was allowing folks, and I shouldn't even say the word allowing because they should rightfully have this space, but um, presenting folks in my life who I had connections with, with the chance to take over my show, which was at the time called Affirmative Reaction. And immediately when I knew that we were doing this project, I reached out to Brittany and Eric and asked if they were interested, and thankfully they said that they would. And so about a year ago, I was able to kind of show what um, the new Four Colored Nerds podcast, the new iteration of it, was going to sound like. Because as you all know, the show is back. It's come back after a a little brief hiatus. It went from an independent production to now being a Stitcher production, which we'll get into a little bit. Um, But it's still exactly what you love about Brittany and Eric's friendship, what you love about their commentary, talking about things that only they two could talk about, but in, in a way that's very universal because we all love pop culture. We all love what's happening in the news. We all love how, how just culture defines who we are as humans. And I'm glad to know that these two humans have a lot in common with me. So really excited to talk to Eric and Brittany here on Hey Hora. Thank you all so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for, that. for having us again. Yeah. And that lovely introduction. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I, it, because the thing that I want folks to recognize is when you work in the media space, it's, it's very hard sometimes to develop connections, mm-hmm. to have this level of relatability with folks because everyone's on that hustle. Everyone's mm-hmm. trying to, to have their stake in the game. But then there's other times when you see like for like mm-hmm. and you start to recognize that the folks that are doing what you're doing are doing it for the exact same purposes that you are. And I immediately identified that with each of you. And so I, I guess I want to ask this first off. Uh, I'll start with you, Eric, and then I'll go to Brittany. When you, when you think about just doing a show, when you talk about being a podcaster, what does that even mean to you right now? Hmm. Um, knowing the history of, uh, and we'll get a little bit into that, of, of how each of you have, have approached our conversation today, yeah. where does that leave you with the definition of what you do?
1: Um, well, it's so much a part of everything that I do, which I say that almost like in an overwhelmed, uh, st- from an overwhelmed standpoint. But I think the thing that I had to realize about myself, and I think when, when Brittany and I first started podcasting, I don't think I had come to this conclusion, uh, was that I am someone who has a, uh, has a lot to say, uh, and it's <laughs> like, at its core, I know Brittany's shocked, uh, but. But th- I think that th- a lot of times you don't, there's, there's thinking you have a lot to say and then there's funneling enough to feel confident in what you do say. And I think that, uh, the process of podcasting and, and uh, finding that kind of over and over again, uh, with Brittany to be frank, um, <laughs> has just been an exercise of, of me realizing that like, there are things that are important to me that if I don't get out, I don't feel great. Uh, you know, initially we were, initially we were just trying to find a way to hang out and kick it and like talk about the things we saw in the world. But as it went on, it definitely became deeper. And I was like, no, wait, talking about these things is important to me. Um, you know, saying, uh, or looking at our culture the way we do is important. Uh, and so that, that increased the urgency. And so once I got to that, it started to kind of take over all these spots where it was like, okay, well, if I'm now I'm making a show, uh, you know, what? How do I think about the community in which I make that show in? Um, which leads you to connecting with people. Um, and in my case, eventually, you get down that road. It, it led to me taking an additional job, also in podcasting. Um, so, you know, this industry has given me. It's given me the title of creator. Um, it's given me the the you know the confidence to feel like uh, what I have to say is important, and how I want to look at the world is important, and. It's almost given, like, challenged me to then uh, make the network, and uh, you know the the uh, the environment, to be frank, uh, conducive to being able to actually do that. So I think that's like the I don't know. That's a quick version of where I'm at. I'm curious, Brittany. Yeah, I'm curious what you have to say. Wait, restate the question because I want
2: to make sure that I'm answering your question specifically because you, you answered the question but you also add some other things and I was like, well, damn, that got me thinking about a lot. Of things. So I want to make sure <laughs> well, I answer your question Well, I would, I would right? love
0: to hear everything that you have in store for what Eric just said but I'm also curious and this is kind of my reframing of the question in a bit. At a time where there are three million podcasts mm-hmm. out there and at some point, as a lot of us have noticed with it and just like that Sex and the City reboot, like mm-hmm. where there's that scoff about <laughs> podcasting and like, Ugh, of course, you're a podcaster. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you take this title that is really defined a, a good portion of your career, yeah. um, you know, doing podcasts, this show mm-hmm. and then the other one that um, we can also talk about in, in just a bit. But how do you make that yours? How do you make that term or that that? Um, that profession really something that makes sense for Brittany
2: there are so many different ways to define what it means to be an athlete or an educator or a doctor there are different specializations whether you play for a certain team or in a certain part of the world or you practice medicine in a certain state within a certain discipline it all um, says a lot more in specific about what you actually do what mm. you're actually what you're actually doing when you say that you're an athlete or, or whatever, like even saying you're an artist or you mixed media Are you Jeff Koons, <laughs> <Do> you paint. <laughs> you know what I mean. There are so many like you can you can say that you're an artist and you can be I Weiwei or you can be Damian Hurst, mm. and so I think that with podcasting though, like the need for um, people like myself to find ways to make the label fit us as an individual or fit ourselves as, as individuals um it kind of speaks to the fact that i think that we just need a broadening for what a podcaster can look like like you know what what's happening right now the uh, beijing olympics literally an athlete can be somebody who is uh, who does like figure skating but also someone who does curling and also mm-hmm. someone who skis right yeah like an olympian a podcaster can be me unfortunately it can also be someone <laughs> like joe rogan but i think that for me um i think that i think that uh i don't know I, a part of me is like oh i do have definite like there's certain things that i do think about and certain principles that i engage when i think about my work and um and doing it in a way that makes me feel good so like saying things that are true or at least as true as i know them to be at the time um platforming people who have really thoughtful things to say that we think that other people really need to hear. Yeah. Um, and maybe like, you know, not platforming people who have harmful <laughs> things to say. Mm-hmm. I don't think everything needs to be a debate. We don't yep. need to ha- live crossfire every week. Um, but, um, and also too, just like talking to things that talking about things, um, and, and using the platform that we have to, um, get the word out about things that we've, wish that people were talking about more or wish that people were talking about in more careful ways. So like when I talk about myself as a podcaster, that's sort of what I mean. That could be through storytelling and that could be through interviews. That could be through conversation. Um, But yeah, I think also though, like as much as I enjoy like thinking about that from what that word means to me as an individual, I do also think that like, we just need to broaden the idea of what a podcaster is because part of the reason why people get that, ugh. Is because they're thinking about well, someone like Joe Rogan, but not as famous and not as rich, and like living in a basement. So yeah, <laughs> that's what Just people struggling are to put up their about. foam, struggling with their mic setup. <laughs> yes. Like, do I need a yeah. or Do I need a stand? Like their tinfoil hats or okay. like giving feedback to the mic. Like <laughs> that's what people are thinking about when they think about podcaster. But that's you know the the sort of principles in the way that I think about doing my work. That's sort of what being a podcaster means to me.
0: I love that you mentioned this idea of the specialization, hmm. that no matter where you are in whatever field you are, that a lot of us have this area of expertise, we have this specialization that we bring to the table. And so I'm going to ask each of you this, because as co-hosts of For Colored Nerds, you all are, approach the show, I'm assuming in, in a similar way, but I'm curious if you'll answer the, the specialization that each of you have also similarly. Hmm. So I'll start with Brittany, and then I'll go with Eric about what you feel your specialization is that you bring to the table for this
2: show. That's a really good question. These are good. These are really These good. These are really good. I mean, I'm going to be trying honest trying with you. Nobody's ever asked me anything. like Nobody's actually ever asked us a question about what each of us bring to our work. It's never happened. So you've really cracked something here, actually. Ta-da. I really want to give you credit for that. Um, <laughs> I think
1: that... There's a lot of overlap. It happens in different ways. There is ways. a lot of overlap. Yeah. I
2: think curiosity is one of the biggest things. Curious. Okay. So, something that is really important to me, I guess, I suppose, maybe this might be part of like a special thing. I might be something that Eric also brings as well to our pairing, but I think it's something that um, I know that I bring. And I, I think that um, I now, you know, having like we both have expanded our working world <laughs> within podcasting to work on other shows and work with other people. I know it's something that I bring elsewhere as well, um, which is like knowing how to put together a good conversation, like yeah. knowing how to get how to put together a conversation that makes. That like, I don't know, you can sit and you can be entertained and engaged and learn something for an hour or some of our older episodes of For Colored Nerds, 90 <laughs> <little longer>. minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but But at the end of it, um, like you can still be left with something. I think a lot of times like conversations that happen in digital spaces can feel very ephemeral or mm. can just feel like two people talking about nothing, which... I'm not gonna lie I listen to a lot of podcasts like that there's some good celebrity <laughs> gossip stuff sometimes personalities and I'm into it make it work but, and you just go yeah um, I like the idea that like of I really believe in um taking something that we make that's digital and giving a tangible takeaway for the listener so that even if like they're, I don't know. Even if we're talking about something they're familiar with, like today we just had an episode come out about Janet Jackson's documentary. Most black people our age have a really good working knowledge of Janet Jackson, but it <laughs> was really important.
0: era, the rope era. Just give me something. Exactly. Just it. give
2: me something to think about. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think for me, um, I love putting together a conversation that whether it's a topic that's new to you or something that you know like the back of your hand, you're going to come away with something tangible. And I think that doing that and a medium that's so digital is really important, giving the listener something tangible through conversation.
0: Yeah. Do you see some similarities there? Eric?
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I think in general, like, there's a re- we both have uh, an intellectual curiosity that I think drives us to a degree we do- both, both don't understand, <laughs> you know, and which mm-hmm. kind of pushes us in a bunch of different directions when, especially when they work together with each other. I think something that I would say about myself, and I think Brittany also, uh, can do this, does this too, but, um, I think I'm pretty good with like ideas, uh, just like kind of starting from the moment of like, wait, is that something? I think something. And then kind of getting it to, um, Okay, this is the conversation, and it feels different because the and it feels different because it's very important. Um, Because I think that's where the uh, a lot of the for us the sauce comes into play. But that said, you know, something I also say is uh, I think I have a lot of ideas. I think Brittany has sometimes has fewer but they're better formed by the time they come out (laughs) uh so like a lot of my stuff that's partnership that's collaboration right
2: there that's why it takes two
1: (laughs) yeah my stuff will get killed in the room britney does the work to make sure that it's like ready when it gets there (laughs) uh but but you know beyond that there are different parts that we both kind of sometimes have a flair for i think you know britney has really been leaning into like uh editing and she's been doing a lot of editing work and you know to be frank like if she's like, actually, I think we should rearrange this conversation this way. A lot of times, I'm like, eh, yeah, she's right. Go ahead, do it. Uh, you know, and I think for me, a lot of where I want to take things are just making sure we're approaching something in the most like out of the box way possible. Mm-hmm. And we all do that work, but that's one that I'm I'm always like, if there's something I'm trying to be a little better. Usually, that's why I'm trying because uh, I I just enjoy that part of it so much.
0: So again, I keep saying that this is for the Four Colored Nerds podcast. A lot of folks will understand if they've been following your careers that there was another show called The Nod that yeah. was made for Gimlet. Um, There's quite a journey there. Um, you were no longer doing that show um, because of uh, other things that we don't necessarily have to get into. But I, I do want to talk about how the fact that this is a, a reinvigorated version of the show um, that you previously did, which is part of the reason how you all each came into podcasting. What is it about when you were thinking about uh, reviving for Colored Nerds, doing it in this particular updated way, when you looked at the older version, you said, I don't want to do anything. Like, was there something that you looked at from the past version that you said, I don't want to do? Hmm. Or was it a lot of like, I'm so excited to get back to that because it meant so, it meant so much to me and to our audience.
2: I think it's more of a latter. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say that we didn't want to do is have the ninety-minute episodes. <laughs> <We, laughs> like a, people's attention span is just not yes. there. Mm-hmm. Safe. This is a safe space. We have <laughs> taken down our episode length. We're closer to an hour now. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But uh, yeah. For the most part, it was something that we just wanted. I, I was excited. To, speaking for myself, I was just excited to go back, um, and get into it. Part of what made it so much fun to get back into um, For Colored Nerds after all these years is much like Sex in the City, we had a hiatus, yeah. um, which mm. allowed us to grow and mature um, and approach different topics, or, or even sometimes approach the same topics in a much different way than we would have in the past. Like I, um, every project that we've worked on in media, together and separately, has taught us each something, um, many things, but we've been able to walk away with really great lessons from all of those mm-hmm. things. And I was really excited to apply what we had learned about crafting a conversation, about crafting a story, about um about introducing an audience to an idea and then talking to them through a complex conversation about that idea. Um, everything that we learned about how to do those things, all those skills, we're able to rely on now in making the show, whereas before we were learning <laughs> while we were making it <laughs> in a way that I think sometimes you can hear in the work. But yeah. <laughs> even as we were going back and revisiting older episodes to kind of uh, find old clips that we needed to put into like a the trailer for uh, the new version of "For Colored Nerds," going back and listening to old episodes, we were like texting each other like, huh. Some of these were pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> we are we not were bad. On top of our game here. Yeah. yeah. To be yeah. About.
1: Got some talent here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think the the only thing I'd add there is like for I mean for me, I, I agree with what Brittany said because for me it wasn't actually what we were doing. I actually have enjoyed almost all the experiences I've had like working in podcasting. It's the circumstances that we were doing <laughs> them in. That that was the only part that kind of mm-hmm. sucked. Um, and so I think like coming into this now, having the opportunity to say like, what do we want to hear? What do we want to say? What do we think mm-hmm. our audience wants to hear? What do they, you know, like, what do they want us to say? And how would they want us to do it? That is fun. And actually going back into, um, what is that a, su- a surprisingly deep well of like tools that we have at our disposal of how to tell those stories is also really exciting because you know, we will stumble into an idea and be like, oh, right, we remember how to make this cooler. We can, like, <laughs> take it another degree. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't look, I look back on it, and, you know, even the the late nights cutting, I, you know, it it, it taught me something. There will always be some late night cutting. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> um, I, I do want to ask, uh, and I just want to say, because I've been sort of dancing around it, uh, about when it came to the nod, there was issues of ownership, yeah. um, which made mm-hmm. things quite complicated. But each of you have full ownership of, of the uh, Four Colored Nerds. Again, mm-hmm. the original show that you all started together, which has now been revived and is now being produced by Stitcher. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about, because um, I'm sure there's a lot of debate about what it means to be a nerd and like what counts as, <laughs> as nerdy behavior. But I, I kind of want to put the word nerd aside for a bit okay. and focus on the word colored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's quite a bit of nuance when you use a word like that. Um And it kind of elicits a, a bit of reaction from folks depending on on what lived experience they're approaching it from. Mm-hmm. Talk about the decision to to use that word and and to have it be featured in the way that it is in terms of of being able to to speak on an experience that each of you have
2: well, okay, so I'd say that the the choice in the name there's like two folds to it, so like one is that it is um, like a send up of the title of the choreo poem slash play by Ntozake Shange for colored girls who considered suicide when the rainbow was enough. Mm -hmm. And we knew that we were going deep on like topics that usually were not typically taken very seriously. Like things that like pop culture, movies, uh, TV, you know, things that just interested us, internet gossip, (laughs) celebrity, (laughs) reality television. We knew we would be going deep on topics uh, that had to do with race or black culture and we would be going deep on topics that usually didn't get that deeper look um, in like the podcasting world um, from you know from the perspective of two black people so that is like the very practical sense of like where we got the name from it has a ring to it honestly people <laughs> haven't forgotten it I'll tell you no that it much. absolutely does um, I think the other part of it too is speaking specifically to the word colored it. I think spoke and still to a certain degree speaks very clearly um, of where we're situated in making the show. And to a certain extent, of course, the show is for everybody. We want as many people to listen to it as possible. But also like we think that the things that we're talking about and the conversations that we're having have value to people who are not exactly like us. However, when we were initially making the show, the audience that we envisioned was a lot like us. Yeah. Um, and for black people, specifically younger black people who are our age, millennial or exennial, <laughs> exennial, whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. Xennial people, um, <laughs> we have a different relationship to the word colored as we didn't necessarily grow up with that being, um, like a racial category in the way that it was like, you know, a hundred or 80 years ago, um, And also, like, I don't know, speaking for myself, grew up, like, with my family (laughs) using it, like, in passing. My mom just, if she thinks I look cute, hey, little color girl, you look so cute. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. So, (laughs) you know, as black people, there are words, just like so many other marginalized groups, there are words that we use that are our words. And that when you have words that other people use to harm you or to fence you in or define you, you are allowed if you're a part of that marginalized group to use those words, um, in jest, in affection, um, as a redefinition. Um, and you can do those things as you please. So when we have that in the title, it kind of is saying like, this show is coming from black people and we're kind of speaking to other black people. Um, and I think the age thing also has to do with probably like us, you know, again, we're people who, grew up with that a word being reclaimed to a certain extent yeah. i certainly respect older listeners hopefully they're listeners <laughs> who you know <laughs> the might grapple with the word mm, yeah exactly i would encourage them to listen so they can actually see what we're talking about i think they might like it um and i know plenty of people who are boomers and and so on and so forth who love the show but um yeah i mean the title really comes from us being young black people who want to use our language and our terms, on our terms. Um, I mean, that's the way that I have thought about it. <laughs> Eric might
1: say something different. No, I mean I agree. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. It's an it's it's speaking, it's doing a lot of work in the sense that it's you know, we're telling you who the show is for, but we're also telling you who the space is for and how we've mm-hmm. set that up to be able to like interact with each other. You know, the tagline that we used to use all the time was like the conversations black people have when, when white people aren't in the room. And mm-hmm. uh, so much of that is literally just to let you know, like, I, like, when, I'm talk- like when we're talking in this space, I'm not mm-hmm. thinking about you. I am thinking about how to have the conversation I want to have about the thing I want to talk about. And mm-hmm. in that space, I might use the word colored. I probably, practically I probably wouldn't, but you know, I, it's, <laughs> it's possible. Uh, and it's more possible in that construct because I also, when I use that, I know Brittany will understand the context that it's happening in. And so I think for in opening the show up, I think the you know a part of the value is you get to listen in. We're not gonna we're not gonna like explain everything, but there's an Mm -mm. opportunity to understand how we communicate in this context about what matters to us. Um, And you know we want the 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 name to signal that to make and also to prepare you, Um, and it does that on just kind of so many different different levels, which is it's been really nice.
0: I also kind of want to focus on that first word mm-hmm. um, because the word for already denotes that this is an offering, yeah. that this mm-hmm. is something that is beyond the two of you, that this is something that is created because of love of other mm-hmm. um, and, and the ability to be able to share with others. What has it been like to return to this space and return to this offering and to, to have folks respond to you after this brief hiatus and, um, and even though I'm sure that they did not leave you when you were doing the knot, but there's there's a specific um, category of inclusivity that comes with doing a show like this. So what is that? What has that response been like?
1: It's been honestly, it's been amazing in a way that I can't. It's hard to describe. Amazing is not a good word. I'm not like a person who uh, <laughs> it takes me a lot to like to show to cry. Uh, but like, in, but I just, but it, it's it's touching. Like. And it's going to sound ridiculous when I explain to you why, but you know, we put out uh, an episode that was about an hour talking about uh, you know, girl boss in the city shows. It's Brittany and I talking through uh, <laughs> shows like and just like that, which has popped up a couple times in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Insecure, <you> know, Insecure, <laughs> Harlem, uh, Run the World. Also, shows like even Grownish could fit in in, in some mm-hmm. version of that genre. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're we're talking about that seriously, Uh, you know, also sometimes not seriously, but we're talking about what we want to see and what we don't see and why that matters to us. And it was a bit, I would say like I've experienced at other times in my career being a bit difficult to just get to that purity of like, Hey, we care about this thing. We know our audience cares about this thing. We want to make sure that they understand the lens in which how we see it. And so being able to do that and now seeing the response to that is Touching on a level I can't describe because for for that episode in particular, the I can't tell you how many messages we got, like yeah. you said exactly what I was thinking. I'm so glad y'all had this conversation. It's people telling us, you know, there wasn't some big uh announcement going on. This isn't like a pre planned kind of cultural moment that would fit that that would fit in the calendar if you were looking through touch points for the year. This was something that like we've been talking about as we watch this stuff that mattered and people see that and so having people come back to that feeling and communicate that we were able to help them get there seeing themselves and challenging and complicating the way they see themselves is like honestly that's why that's why I do it and that's the feedback that like speaks to the thing that reminds me that I have something to say and that I should say it um so yeah it's been it's been amazing I think the
2: reason why it has been so much fun is because we know so much more about how to execute the show that we want to make. So, whereas before we were kind of like, what do I say? Building the plane while you're flying it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The stakes felt like I think there's a wing. Can we go with one wing? I think we're fine with one wing. (laughs) It was just just like, um, I guess this is how podcast is made. (laughs) Now we have such a greater command of the tools and of, the methods you know to get a story or a conversation in a good shape so a listener can enjoy it that it we can actually think much more deeply I think than maybe we were even able to a few years ago um, about what would make a compelling conversation what's going to make this unique what's going to make this fun to listen to one of the things that we've uh, piece of feedback we've heard, repeatedly over the years is not just that like as with the girl boss in the city episode that Eric just discussed not just you know we're not just coming up with unique ways to look at certain things that are happening in the culture or or having like very specific pop cultural theses you know that we want to discuss we also are finding interesting ways and unique ways to talk about things that kind of already feel like they've been talked about. Yeah. So, you know, um, going back to the idea of like, you know, Janet Jack- an episode about the Janet Jackson documentary that just aired on Lifetime and A&E um, earlier this year, like that is a topic that like all, all of us know Janet. Many of us watch the documentary, but we're going to find a different angle to talk about. You know, we're going to find the angle that's going to like scratch that itch that you didn't know that you had. Um, And I think that's what's been so much fun about the show making the show now is that we know so much more about how to make a podcast that we can spend a lot more time and energy thinking about how we're going to give our audience the biggest payoff that they can possibly have, regardless of whether they're new to the topic or it's something that they already know and love. And that part is really fun because we put so many moments into the episodes that it's so much fun when people like write us or email us or um, tag us on social media and tell us what they agreed with or didn't agree with. Mm -hmm. But just knowing the fact that they actually got in there and heard those Easter eggs and those original moments is always so satisfying.
0: So just so that way I can kind of come full circle. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the four. We talked about the colored part. Let's talk about the nerd part. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who is a nerd <laughs> that you've encountered, a celebrity nerd, or somebody who, like, if you could get them on the show to Kiki with you all, who would that nerd be? And oh, what would you
1: nerd about? There are so many. This is so, this is like one of those questions that, I, like, a really good question. I hate because the list is infinite. Uh, somebody who popped in my head is uh, uh, Aldous Hodge. Strangely. Oh, uh, I'd love to have him on the show. for Probably for different reasons, I imagine. Put uh, it into the universe. Make it happen. Yes, yes. But no, Aldous Hodge is a, just a really great actor. You might have seen him in shows like Underground or Leverage, uh, but really talented and also using a movie called Conviction, which was uh, really, really uh, kind of well-reviewed and, and people lauded it. Uh, but he also is a, a, a watch nerd, uh, strangely enough. Yes. And he is... Like, so can go so deep on uh, watches and horology. Uh, strangely, interesting. Yes. Okay. Uh, strangely, I know that because like I worked randomly when I worked in advertising, I had a, a, a watch client, right. and right. so I like I know that one. There's is, this is this is also this is actually more nerdy than even the show gets sometimes. So like just as a disclaimer, but uh, but <laughs> but no, it, it, the, the watch industry. Is also very homogeneous and it's really uh it's it's, it's white let's, let's say it again let's be clear mm-hmm. it's white <laughs> uh and it's interesting when i think about uh like watches as a place within like culture you know folks are still talk about patek philippe or your rolex your roly or your eye mm. style anyway all this stuff i think it's just he would be a really interesting person to talk about all that with as somebody who can go deep on the hmm. technical and the cultural. Uh, so yeah, anyway, Aldis Hodge. I'll I'll park that. Uh maybe not necessarily the the number one, but but damn, I'm excited about what the conversation would be. I like hmm. that take.
2: Um a person okay, there's a person I would love to talk to. One day I will. <laughs> I promise I will. Um, Anna DeVere Smith. Hmm. She is um an actress a playwright Uh um a performer in so many senses a lot of what she does which i find incredible it's based off of like studs turkle's work with like the um i think like the wpa like the american writers project like whatever you know back in um the new deal or whatever Mm -hmm. like Said Circle and also Zora Neale Horston and so many other incredible writers um travel the country collecting people's stories. And what she essentially will do is go to a site of conflict or go to a site of significance um or an environment that has some major conflict going on. And she will interview people, get their stories, and then like become them. She will like study their speech, write monologues of them. And then like turn it into a theater piece. She did that um, with two very specific incidents um, around race in the early 90s, one in Crown Heights and one in um, in Los Angeles. But she also has done it like in other spaces. Like she's done it um, at like a medical school. Like she went to a medical school and talked to people, I think patients, uh, patient advocates, doctors, professors, students, and like just talked, like figured out sort of like what the shape of the conflict was from talking to people um, and then reflects their stories back to them. Um, and I always have found that so incredible. I think she's an absolute genius. She's written books. She's written plays. She's directed theater. She's acted in theater. She's been in a bunch. If you saw her face, you'd recognize her. She's been in a bunch yeah. of movies and TV shows. If you don't recognize her name. Um, but I just think that she is so brilliant and I like, in a way, not to insult her work in any way <laughs> by associating <laughs> her with the word nerd. So she's but a there nerd, is something, but... some part of like part of nerddom is being very studied about something. Yeah. And there, what is like more studied than like locating a place of real life conflict and, and interviewing people tirelessly about it and then like learning how to be them hmm. and then putting, turning that into a piece of art um, that can memorialize a specific time, um, not just in, the story of one person but in the story of a community i think it's so brilliant um i would love to have her on the show <laughs> there's a pitch there's a pitch it's ready for her on the Much show like the secret is put it with out. me all the time yes. it shall happen
0: if we believe it so i hope so and then it'll be um, well i just want to remind everybody again you can listen to four colored nerds wherever you stream your podcast but be sure mm-hmm. to not only listen to this new iteration but go back to the original yeah. see how Eric and Brittany were able to develop the the following that they have um, and are able to sustain it. And not only just that, but grow it with what they have going on now. Uh, So Eric and Brittany, thank you all so much for joining me to talk about this show and and everything that you have going on. And, and well wishes to Eric on his move, which um, (laughs) I'm sure will be imminently discussed later. Yes.
1: (laughs) I'm always discussing it sadly. No, seriously. Thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation. It's so good to see you again.